0: Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester here with Sati Argerbright, and this is Reading Women, a podcast inviting you to reclaim half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 59, where we are talking about love stories and romance novels, or as we like to call it, all you need is love. Welcome to the podcast, Sati.
1: Thanks. I'm super happy to be here.
0: Yeah, this is your first episode. I'm really excited.
1: I know I am too. I'm excited and all kind of a little nervous, but I think it'll be fine.
0: <laughs> I think you will do a great job. And if our listeners are wondering what's going on, definitely check out our last episode where we introduce all of our new co-hosts and they talk about what they want to feature on the podcast and all of these exciting things that are happening in 2019 with reading Women. so this is uh, Sachi's first theme, which is Uh, All You Need Is Love. I'm really excited about this theme.
1: I am too. I think when we were going through different um, theme uh, opportunities or different types of things that we could feature each month for February, I think we were kind of thinking, well, you know, February has got Valentine's Day, but, you know, how do we want to open up possibilities uh, for Um, readers who might be a little little, um, maybe intimidated by romance or not necessarily read romance. And these are kind of, I think, good gateway books, as well as some awesome romance recommendations from our expert at the end of the episode.
0: Yeah, I think that, you know, from my my personal experience is that I'm trying to get more into romance. So that's Kind of approach I think we're both taking to this is that we are new. And so what we have done also is that we have someone, we have a romance expert, like Sachi mentioned. We also have a guest post from Agata, and she is one of the best romance recommenders that I have ever met in my entire life. (laughs) And uh, she uh, lives in Estonia, and she has all of these great romance recommendations. So she is going to be giving you some amazing romance recommendations on our website on the 14th. So if you are already reading lots of romance, uh, Brie at the end of the episode and Agata will have your back and you can go check them out. I'm very excited for both. <laughs> yes. And, I mean, Agata usually messages me with so many amazing romances. There's one that she was telling me about that the other day it had the most gorgeous mm. cover. There's one by Alyssa Cole that came out recently. And they she's just like, look at this cover. Nobody looks so <laughs> happy. And I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I want to be there right now. <laughs> so many great things happening. But first, before we jump into our journey through mo- romances and love stories, we have the news. So the first step on the agenda is we're kind of in a, you know, I know I'm obsessed with literary prizes. <laughs> we're kind of in a lull for America, but the Stella Prize is, is got us covered. And tomorrow, for you, listener, on February 7th, the Stella Prize long list will be announced.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I have actually never, so confession, I am not as, uh, I guess, informed or I don't follow uh, awards as much. Um, So I've actually never heard of the Stella Prize. um, But since I'm very eager after talking so much with Jacqueline, one of our other contributors, I really want to get more into Australian fiction because I realize I've not read an Australian book before, which I, I know. I'm. It's like <laughs> tisk tisk on me. I'm so like embarrassed. I looked at my spreadsheet and I was like, oh my goodness, I haven't read one Australian book before. So I, I definitely I'll probably be taking recommendations from uh, the Stella Prize winners to kind of get started, along with um, recommendations from Jacqueline. So I'm excited to hear who the winners are um, tomorrow.
0: Yeah, and I think there'll be a lot of great. Books that I, I think you will absolutely love. So, last year, uh, Michelle de Kretzer was on the shortlist, and she is now one of the judges for this year's prize. And she oh. is an immigrant from Sri Lanka who then moved to Australia. And I can't remember if it was her parents that moved and she was a, a small child, but essentially she's like Sri Lankan Australian. And her writing is admittedly very Virginia Woolf inspired, like, extreme of consciousness. <laughs> And there's just a lot of great, diverse books on these lists now. I I think they've really taken some of the past criticism in hand and are now shortlisting a number of authors from all different types of backgrounds. And it makes me really happy to see, and I hope they continue the trend this year.
1: Oh, that's so exciting. I'll definitely have to check that out.
0: So that will be happening tomorrow, if you're listening, on the day this comes out. And that is February 7th. And then the shortlist will be announced on March 8th. And then the winner will be announced April 9th. And we will be with you every step of the way. Uh, This is Australia's essentially women's prize for fiction and nonfiction. They put everything together in one basket. Oh, wow. And they pull from that. Yeah. And I don't know too many prizes that do that.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of any prize that does that. But I'll, again, I am a prize novice.
0: So <laughs> I am here for you.
1: I'm
2: here. For I you. need your guidance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we don't really have much other news going on right now. So I guess we can just jump into the, the podcast. Awesome.
1: Well, Kendra, I think you've got the first pick for us today. How about you tell us about your um, first pick?
0: As I said, I am a romance novice. Uh, I did (laughs) love Whiskey and Ribbons last year. It was one of my my favorite books of the year. So I decided to expand, you know, my wings a little bit and go more into romance. And so I picked up Jasmine Guillory. And I'm actually going to cheat a little bit and talk about two books of hers in the same trilogy. Mm. So the first is The Wedding Date, which I think most people have seen around the bookstore. uh and yes. this features uh alexa who's an african-american woman and she is visiting her sister and celebrating i think her sister's promotion so she's walking into the elevator and there's this gorgeous white guy in there and she's like oh well then and then <laughs> they happen to get stuck on this elevator for an hour oh and she has like snacks in her bag naturally and uh <laughs> Through a weird series of events, she ends up going with him as her, his fake girlfriend to a wedding between his ex and his best friend.
1: Oh, so I've heard this premise, but I didn't
0: realize who the bride and groom were in relation to him. That's wild. And so it's, I mean, it is a romance novel. And one of the fundamental definitions of romance is that it has a happy ending, right? Yes. So it ends happily. But what I found really interesting was Drew has this friend named Carlos, um, who I love. And he and Drew are both doctors at the same hospital in the first book. Mm, And then, obviously, happy endings happen. And so Drew is no longer living in L.A. And then (laughs) you have Carlos. And his, his love story is the second book in the trilogy. And from my knowledge of Google and research... Uh, It is very common for a trilogy of romance novels to look at, like, a side character from the first book. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so then you, like, go to that person's love story. And so this is Carlos's love story with Nick. And so how this whole setup is is that Carlos is at a baseball game with his sister. And then he sees this woman proposed to on a Jumbotron, and she rejects him. And so that's um, I, if like,
1: someone proposed to me in a jumbotron, though, I don't know, I'd probably be like, you don't know, well, know me well enough but <laughs> to know that I don't want to be proposed to in public. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, then understandably, she's like, no. And so everyone like you know she's overwhelmed by all these people staring at her you know the her now ex-boyfriend walks off in a huff and so carlos and his sister go in and kind of like rescue her essentially oh okay. sort of and give like her right home and, and that starts their spark of love oh i love that and that like the best setup ever
1: <laughs> i know i feel like i feel like that is a really unique setup versus like I feel like I've heard at least maybe like TV episodes or like a movie premise that it's like you're going to be my fake like wedding date or whatever, but starting with a baseball like surprise proposal going wrong, I feel like that's a really unique and really cool setup for for a book.
0: Yeah, it is. And you know, There are a few things I love about Jasmine Guillory. One is that she focuses on food throughout both books.
1: Ooh, yes.
0: (laughs) And the second thing is something that Brie will be talking about here in a second. But I feel like the stereotype of romance novels is that they're just fluffy. There's no substance. You know, it's just an escapist, whatever. But Jasmine Guillory, being, you know, an African-American woman, she knows her stuff and so both relationships are biracial so the first one in the wedding date it's between you know a black woman and a white dude and then the second one is Carlos who is Hispanic and then Nick is African American and so she also deals with the cultural mixing of their relationship Hmm. which I think is just so well handled like uh, Alexa points out to Drew like some of the things that he just totally misses as a white dude like you know, just his inherent of,
1: like privilege and stuff.
0: Yeah, like kind of just the general cluelessness. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she, it, it's handled in such a way that it just flows seamlessly into the story. So it's not didactic. It's not like you know trying to teach you a lesson, kind of style. It's just part of the story of their relationship.
1: I love that. I think it's really important to have stories with about uh, people of color, or um, in this case, like biracial relationships that the characters that are featured are doing normal things. You know, this is a love story and not some type of, like, really heavy social justice issue um, type of book, because while it's super important we have those as a biracial person, I feel like I want to read stories about normal people too, because I'm a normal person. So (laughs) I really love that when um, Jasmine Guillory's book started coming out last year, it was very much like, you know, we've got main characters who are people of color, but they are normal people and they're going to have this normal romance that everybody else has so i really love that there are some really good lessons um but it's not like a lesson focused book it's focused on the love of these two people which is something that hopefully everyone experiences in their life
0: yeah she's just so talented and both Mm. of them are good and would be great reads so that is the wedding day and the proposal by jasmine guillory and both of those are out from berkeley publishing and sachi what's your first pick
1: so my first pick it is not necessarily a romance. This is kind of our, our, maybe our one of our gateway books we were talking about. But um, my pick, The Ensemble by Asia Gable, which is from Riverhead, it um, talks about a lot of different complex relationships within a string quartet. So there's some romance between some of the characters, but a lot of it is about friendship. It's about working as a team through competition and... I felt like each character was very different, um, very different personality wise, but each of their relationships to each other was very different as well. So I really wanted to highlight it um, this month for our complex kind of relationships. And all you need is love is like peppered in a little bit <laughs> throughout the book. <laughs> it's my like way of sneaking it in a little bit.
0: <laughs> and when we were talking about love stories, we also talked about like Friends and their love stories, like love between friends.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a theme of this this book. (laughs) So, the book takes place over two decades. I think it starts when they're in their like early 20s and it ends when they're in their mid 40s. And you can really tell where they were brought together by their love for music. You know, they perform it as a string quartet together. They're called the Van Ness Quartet. And over the span of this 20 years together they really become like family members It's crazy how towards the end you can they can tell like what each other's thinking they can like read exactly what their what their face is saying and what their mood is doing by their body language just because they've practiced hours and hours together they've been on stage together and so I feel like this checks all the boxes kind of like, friendship and family and love and all kinds of facets of relationships. So I think it's a good pick for this month.
0: I've heard that it's a very character-driven novel and almost like an intense character study between four characters. Would you say that that's accurate?
1: Yes, this is definitely a character-driven book versus a plot-driven book. I know as a reader, I do, I really enjoy character-driven novels, but some people say I need some plot. Um, if you need plot, you need stuff to go fast. Not sure if this is the book for you, but <laughs> if you love like really wide character arcs and you like to see how you know people interact from different points of view, um, each each of the four characters, um, Henry. Jana, Britt, and Daniel, each of them have various chapters throughout the book. So you get to kind of see everybody's side of the story, um, which is kind of cool. So if you like to see, you know, a situation where two people read or experience them differently and you get to see kind of in their head about how both of those things um, were perceived and seeing how those characters change over time, this is definitely the book for you.
0: Sachi, don't you have a background in music?
1: Yes, so I was gonna, I have that in my notes, so I was gonna try to sneak that in. So <laughs> I'm a—I'm a little biased, um, because the book, naturally, because it's about string quartets, and they, and they do go through competition, it references a lot of classical music pieces, and it kind of references a lot of the stage aspects of, um, like, practicing rigorously, and, you know, getting there super early, and like, trying to relieve tension, but also like get excited to be on the stage. Um, So that's something that I personally, you know, resonates with me. My mom was an opera singer and we grew up listening to classical music. I was going to go into vocal performance and was classically trained before I decided, uh, maybe, maybe not. I'm just going to go into business instead. A hard left (laughs) turn. Um, um, But I have a, a very deep appreciation for... Not only classical music, but even some of the pieces that were mentioned. There's different parts of the book. I think there's four parts. I could be wrong, but each of the parts references a different string quartet piece that I think they they are either practicing or performing it at that stage of the book. But it really, I feel like each piece kind of reflects some of the the tones. So some of the songs, you know, are very fast because it's fast paced. They're growing quickly and they're competing and doing all these things. So what I really like. To do throughout the book, and I would recommend to people who are interested, is there's a playlist on Spotify. If you, I think, if you search like the ensemble book on Spotify, um, there's a playlist out there for all the pieces that are featured in that section of the book. And if you love to listen to music or even specifically classical music while you read, that's a perfect um, way to like really sink into the book and be immersed in the pieces that they're talking about um throughout the book but so yeah I'm biased but you know don't worry <laughs> if you're not into classical music um I really don't think you'll be alienated reading the book you don't have to know anything about you know the techniques of playing the strings or anything any background on like composers from the classical era anything like that focus is really on the four instrumentalists like I said before a very character-driven novel so I think readers will love it even more um, or maybe consider it must read read if they love classical music but people um who say you know i like music but i don't really listen to classical music i think this is fine if you love a character-driven novel
0: oh that sounds really great i love when authors make spotify playlists
1: isn't it wonderful yeah <laughs> I, I love it I And mean,
0: especially obviously for this one because it has such a heavy you know musical motif throughout the book so i will make sure to link that in our show notes so the listeners can go check that out if they want to
1: so that was my first pick, and that is The Ensemble by Asia Gable, and that's out from Riverhead. Um, Kendra, what is your second pick for today?
0: Right, so this is my pick for our discussion coming up uh, next episode, but this is First Comes Marriage by Huda al-Murashi. It's out from, from Prometheus Books, and this is for our non-fiction lovers. This is a memoir, and I picked this because of Love Story. This is Not a romance genre book, but it does have a happy ending because, you know, like she's still with her husband. Uh, But this is Huda's journey as an Iraqi American woman who is also a Muslim and her arranged marriage. And she says in a video that we're going to talk about next episode uh, that She realized after 9-11 that there there could be repercussions for not writing her story as a Muslim woman uh, living in America and as, you know, an Iraqi American wanting to tell her story. And that is one of those things of her marriage. And she has a happy marriage. She loves her husband, uh, but it's just her experience. And I had never read a book by a woman who had an arranged marriage before. Me neither. I I don't know why I missed that. I mean, I am a religious person. Like, I have no idea why I've never read this. But I was like, oh, of course. Why have I not read voices like this before? So uh, this is about Huda's marriage as she lives in California. And if you have read uh, A Place for Us by Fatima Fahim Mirza, this would be a great place to go after that because it's a similar community, Muslim community living in California. And so she knows Hadi, her husband, from the time they are small children. And so her her parents are very much on board with arranging their marriage, but they always ask her what she wants to do. Like, does she want to do this? And she's who Huda wants to talk about the misconceptions that a lot of Americans have about arranged marriage and the differences between different types of arranged marriage. And so the first one on her list is always, it's not a forced marriage.
1: It's funny that you say, you know, the companion piece for this would be, uh, or a good companion piece for this would be a place for us, because when I... Read this. A when you suggested it, I was like, "Ooh, I've never read about arranged marriage before," so I was totally on board. I was very excited to read something very different that I'd never seen before, but. Yeah, because of the the setting and the community, uh, I kept referencing or just thinking back to, oh yeah, in the place for us, it was it was like X Y Z, and I feel like reading that beforehand, uh, I think was a really good kind of prep for some of this, and and that could be the case vice versa. And I I enjoyed both books, so I feel like it is a good reflection. If you really enjoyed A place for us, that this book might also be for you.
0: I think it's important. As someone who is not part of this particular uh, group in America, that like if you want to learn about it, you should also obviously look up nonfiction, because we could often get distracted by how amazing a novel is, but we you really want to read the true version of a story, as least as true as you can get, obviously with biases and different things. And I was so impressed with Huda's honesty and. Like, portraying herself as a 20-year-old. Like, I don't want books written about me when I was 20 years old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Um, and she was getting married, and I thought I got married young at 23, but she got married when she was 20, and she was finishing yeah. up uh, her degree. And she finished in, what, three years? Is that what she did?
1: Yeah, I think she finished early. It was, like, her her academics were very impressive. And so I feel like trying to combat, like, Deciding on who you want to marry as well as, you know, being very prestigious and studious in school. I just was really impressed when reading about her experience in those early years.
0: Yeah, and I feel like we have this assumption that arranged marriages like the communities that will have arranged marriages or traditionally have they don't promote women's education or or women's Mm -hmm. independence but really her parents or her mom specifically did like they encouraged her to go get her degree like you were supposed to do it all and that was outside of the stereotype that I had in my mind and so it was obviously something that I needed to correct in myself and and learn from and I appreciated that Huda has taken the time to write this with the knowledge that, you know, she's explaining her culture to other people. She's talking about her own personal experience because it is the experience of a single person, the community, and is not representative of all people's feelings, but it's still an insight into something. I think those of us in the Western world, you know, we need to think about these things and respect more conservative cultures and their practices. And I just was so impressed with what she tackled in this.
1: Absolutely. I felt like all the women were very strong characters. And yeah, it, it, I feel like it debunks a little bit of the stereotype and even, even my viewpoint too, it was very similar. I was like, um, when her mom stressed that, you know, she had, I think multiple degrees and she was like, make sure you, you know, get all the education you can get. I think she was a little. Uh, her path was she had her kids first, and then she went to school very rigorously. Her mom did, and I that just wasn't my ent- understanding uh, of uh, of that, and it's probably a, a miss miss on my part uh, to not understand that. But this was this book was very eye opening, and to say that no, these women are strong, and they you know are very well educated, and they really support each other in this community, which I really loved.
0: So, obviously, we have a lot to talk about about this book. Yes. Uh, It's such a fascinating read, and I was so appreciative that, uh, you know, Huda originally reached out to us about this as well as her publisher. And uh, I'm so glad I read this book. So we're very happy to share with you a little bit more in our next main episode where we will be discussing First Comes Marriage, by Huda al Marashi, which is out from Prometheus Books. You can get it now. Please do so. Uh, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> so we'll be talking about it next episode a little bit more in depth. So, All right. So we will be back with Sachi's last pick after a word from our sponsor. So we decided to have the sponsor of this episode be us, uh, because Autumn, you recently updated our Patreon page.
3: So we set up our Patreon page right when we first started this podcast and hadn't really revamped it since we first set it up. So we figured it was about time to refresh it, make some updates to the different tiers and those kinds of things. And yeah, so I recently did that. And I must say, I'm really happy with how it turned out.
0: It looks really nice, and we've gotten a lot of feedback from our patrons, and they have been so nice in helping us work out the kinks with this, and I'm really excited for the new setup.
3: Yeah, I am too. So if you're not familiar with Patreon, it is a platform that allows us to be in direct communication with you, our listeners, and you get to help support the podcast, but also you get to provide critical feedback and get some behind-the-scenes bonuses and things like that, so it's really cool.
0: And it's really nice because we've gotten to know our patrons even more through our quarterly book club that we have and we're also working on having more live streams for our patrons over the course of this year.
3: So there are a couple different levels that you can join at ranging from just a dollar a month all the way up to $50 a month which is essentially a monthly book box. So there's all different kinds of levels for all different kinds of budgets and options, and it's completely under your control so you can do whatever works best for you. And as always, the podcast will always be free and available for all of you, but this is just a little something extra. If you want to interact with us a little bit more personally and have some impact on what actually happens on the podcast.
0: And we have a new goal for our Patreon and we would love to be able to have our podcast episodes transcribed. But when we looked this up, we found that it's actually quite expensive.
3: Yes, and one thing that we are trying to do is make this podcast more accessible for all of our listeners. And I would say transcripts are probably our number one request, maybe number two. So this is something that we really would like to do in the upcoming year if it's at all possible. So by
0: supporting our Patreon, you're supporting our new goal, as well as helping spread the word for About Women writers. We would not be able to do this podcast without our patrons, because as our podcast has grown, like Autumn said, so have the costs. And it's been really wonderful to have our patrons there with us every step of the way, and we greatly appreciate them.
3: And also, sometimes we feel like we're speaking into a void, so it's kind of nice to actually interact with people who listen. (laughs) So if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash readingwomen to support the podcast and to help us reach our goal of having our episodes transcribed. Uh, so Sachi, you have
0: uh, our last pick.
1: Yes. Yeah, so my last pick for today, and this is also uh, another discussion pick that we'll be discussing next episode is An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. And this is out by Algonquin. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard about this book. I think it came out around early 2018 last year, but it hasn't uh, actually been featured on the podcast. So when we were talking about uh, love stories or complex relationships, I was like, we have to talk about American marriage. How can you? How can you have a theme like this and not (laughs) talk about an American marriage. So for those of you who may not have heard about this book, it starts off with Southern newlyweds. So we've got Roy and Celestial. Roy is, he's like a rising executive and Celestial's like an up and coming artist and they are settling into their married life with like very, you know, promising outlook but for the both of their careers. But as they're visiting family, um, they are, ripped apart by this horrible prison sentence for a crime that um, Roy didn't commit. So, you know, unsettled by the separation, Celestial um, looks to her childhood friend, uh, which was the best man at their wedding, um, Andre, for support and then the story kind of ensues from there. But I loved this story because I, as as listeners will learn very quickly, I love stories from various perspectives. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is another book that features POVs from all three characters, Celestial, Roy, and Andre. And, you know, it really just turns into this tangled love story between Um, these three individuals and you see just kind of the strain and the pressures put on their relationships when they're faced with situations that are pretty much just beyond their control so um, I think that'll be a really good book for discussion and I think it fits perfectly into our theme for February
0: so I think this is the perfect pick for a love story and complex relationships because it is a love triangle but you know, I don't know if it's because I was burnout in my teenage years or what, but I typically, typically I don't like love shapes. Mm, of okay. Any really kind. <laughs> any
2: shape and size. Um,
0: <laughs> right, but I love this one. Yes. Uh, because I felt like it was very multifaceted. There were so many layers of meaning that she was incorporating in there. Um, also, it's set in Atlanta. Yes. So that's where Autumn is yes. from, and so when I go visit her, uh, she will be like, "This is the section of the city where this book is set," <laughs> and we'll be driving, and then like, "This is the p- section of the city where this book is set." Like, okay, there's so
1: <laughs> many great stories set in Atlanta. Like,
0: there really, there really yes. is, and we we need to do something with that at some point. Yeah, but I, that'd be awesome. It's like literary tourism. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah, there should be a literary tourism episode. <laughs> Probably not a lot for Ohio, maybe just little fires everywhere. But I feel like other <laughs> cities are a wealth of, of um, different locations for for really awesome books.
0: Yeah, and this one is is no exception. I feel like if you're from Atlanta, you're you're gonna connect deeply because place is a very important mm-hmm, part of this book. Definitely. There's she also like isn't uh celestial, doesn't she create dolls?
1: Yes she does that's kind of like her artistry she has these um, really interesting dolls um, that she displays but then I think eventually she sells she sells them as well I think
0: yeah and I actually had to Google what kind of doll they were because mm-hmm. I was like I need I need to see this I need to know because <laughs> like, I never heard of that before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to say too much since we're going to dive into discussion for this book. But the thing that's stuck with me the most is I just loved how well developed the character arcs were within the story. I love plot driven novels. But I as you probably can tell from the ensemble too, I love character driven novels. Hence the the different POVs. I just like really eat that stuff up. But I, I really like that. It's told from all three perspectives over a long period of time as well. So, if, the, if you read the ensemble and it resonates with you because it's over a couple decades, then you might like this one as well. This is also over a long period of time. And as I read it, I could really feel them changing and getting older, and how as they went throughout time, the weight of their decision just really shifted and got, you know, heavier as the story progressed. And I thought that was really smart of Jones to really um, show how much they've changed and how there are a lot of factors that are outside of their control. But there are a lot of really big decisions these characters make. And in my opinion, sometimes they don't always make the best decision for themselves. And it kind of makes things a little harder. So if you like books where, you know, there's a lot of kind of not necessarily and this is more like it's more of like quiet drama but if you're like oh I don't know if, how that's going to go out I need to see how this is going to happen next like this is definitely the book for you
0: it definitely sounds like it and I mean it was yes. an Oprah's <laughs> book club club pick so I feel that, like that endorsement true. goes a long way yep.
1: <laughs> yes very true <laughs> All right, so that was an American Marriage by Terry Jones, and that is out by Algonquin books, and it is available um, at a bookstore near you. So go ahead and pick it up.
0: All right, so those are our four book picks, and we will be back next episode talking about two of them. But before we go, we definitely wanted to bring on a romance specialist to recommend some amazing romances for you. Uh, so. This month, we have Brie Hill. She is a BookTuber and an Instagrammer and a huge romance lover. So to start our conversation off, I asked her to introduce herself.
2: I am Bree Hill, and I am an occasional BookTuber. I am a blogger on hiatus, and I mostly post on Instagram. That's where I show my love of romance and what I'm currently reading and what I plan to read. I'm mostly active on Instagram. And my Instagram is falling number four romance. So falling for romance, it's all together. That's probably where I'm the most active right now.
0: Well, we are so happy to have such an avid romance reader on the show. So I'm looking forward to hearing your first pick. So uh, what book do you have to share with us?
2: It is Forbidden by Beverly Jenkins, which is an African-American historical romance author who I was very intimidated by. But Forbidden was wonderful. It takes place in the years after the Civil War. And Beverly Jenkins is just really adamant about when we learn about African-American history, we focus on slavery, civil rights, and then present day. And she's like, they're so— much that happens in between all of that. So it takes place in the Old West, which I did not know that African-Americans migrated West. We always focus on the great, great migration to the North. And it follows a woman of color who is from Denver, and she's trying to get to California to work and make some money and open her own restaurant. And she just meets like a cast of characters, some really good, some really bad along the way. And she ends up being like dropped off in the desert and left for dead, essentially. And she's rescued by this African-American male who, is passing for white named Ryan and him and a friend rescue her and this is their romance i mean it's very complicated Ryan is passing for white and he tells her like i do this because i'm able to make so much change for the african american community more so as a white man than I would as a man of color. So, and he's also engaged to a pretty racist white woman who has no idea that her husband, her soon to be husband is a black man. So it was just so many complications, but it was so fascinating. It, she just gives you so much history and it felt natural rather than a bunch of just brain dumped historical facts. So, I definitely recommend Forbidden by Beverly Jenkins. It was just such a wonderful, wonderful story.
0: I heard so many wonderful things about Beverly Jenkins, He's such a legend in Romance-landia. So what drew you originally to Beverly Jenkins' work?
2: So Beverly Jenkins is one of those authors that was very, very intimidating to me. I'm not always... I have to be in the right mood to read books that take place during time periods that I'm not very, very interested in. There's just something about like slavery and the Civil War. Like I don't always want to read about that as a woman of color because it is just a time period that's hard to swallow. But I know that quite a few of her books take place during that time. But once I kind of navigated my way into the world of romance, historical romances are a big deal. They are pretty popular, probably one of the most popular subgenres, but they're very white. And that is a discussion that is being had right now, just how historical romances kind of exemplify white supremacy and whitewashing history. So I was like, you know what, let me give her a try. And finally, I have an historical romance author that I can say, okay, I can see myself in her stories. Her heroines are women of color. The heroes are men of color. And it's, she just, she, finally, I had an author who I can say like is writing me in her stories. So yeah, she's become a pretty big deal. <laughs> she's become a pretty big deal to me.
0: Well, it definitely sounds like she's doing so many important things for the romance world. So are there any other romance titles of Beverly Jenkins's that you'd like to recommend?
2: I definitely recommend another one that I've read by her is Indigo, and I think Indigo is probably her most popular. Uh, it follows a it actually follows a freed woman of color. It does take place during the times of slavery, and she's a conductor on the Underground Railroad in the state of Michigan. And when she wakes up in the middle of the night, they're bringing to her this pretty popular slave thief named the Black Daniel. And he's also a mulatto who's able to pass for white, and that's how he's able to get so many people to freedom. But he's bought into her, beaten pretty badly. Uh, Yeah, this is their romance, and it was wonderful. It was really, really wonderful just to see the sense of community. And she also focuses on how for some Black people, they saw being a person of color as a curse. So they were willing to help, you know, the white slave catchers. And she just packed so much knowledge in that book while also focusing on the romance and giving the characters their happily ever after. I don't see how she did it, but she did and it worked and it was wonderful.
0: Well, she definitely sounds like the goddess of romance authors. Yes,
2: (laughs) she's great.
0: So what's the next pick you have for us?
2: The second book that I want to talk about are the first two in a trilogy by Kennedy Ryan. So the first one is the novella, and it's called Flow. This is part of the Grip series. And it's about 126 pages, but I was addicted to every page. It's an interracial romance, and I just felt like in both books, Flow is the novella, and then the first book is called Grip. And it's a contemporary book, but they really— have some important conversations with so much of the American population being mixed race. I felt like she just hit the nail on the coffin. They have discussions about why you so freely with your friends, you use the N word when it's such a bad word. And the love interest trying to explain to her like there's really no good excuse, but we kind of feel like maybe we're taking the power out of it by using it. And she's like, I still don't like it. You shouldn't use it. And they both just really put it out there that we're going to be misunderstood, but the more we talk about it, maybe we'll start to understand. And they have their mothers, the the heroine being white and from money, and then the hero being from Compton and a poet slash rapper. His mom is like, I want you to be with a strong black woman. I want you to be with a woman that looks like me. And then Bristol, the heroine comes from money and her parents are like, what are you doing with this black rapper from Compton? So, but they have to come to terms with, okay, both of our kids will choose their love for each other over us. And it was just it was so good. It was so good. I can't recommend that series enough. I still have the last book to go, but definitely start with flow and then work your way into grip. And it's, it's amazing. Kennedy Ryan has become a new favorite author for me because she's adamant about, yes, I'm writing romance, but you will get some social justice issues in my books. So anybody who thinks that romance is light and fluffy and they're not talking about anything, you're just not looking in the right place.
0: Well, here, here, and uh, I don't know, I don't know how you could follow it up. So <laughs> I think that's a great place to end it. Thank you so much for coming on. We had a great time talking yeah, to you.
2: Thank you.
1: Well, we want to thank Brie um, for her recommendations on her segment today. Um, I'm super excited myself to pick both of those up, I'm taking all the romance recs that I can get. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> And you can find all of her information below in the show notes.
0: Uh, so we like to end episodes currently reading. So Sachi, uh, what are you currently reading right now?
1: Um, right now I am reading The Collected Schizophrenias, and that's by Esme Weijin Wong, and that is from Grey Wolf Press. I think we've we've talked about it ourselves, and I think I've mentioned it on Instagram, but I really want to dive into more books about mental health. And I read Everything Here is Beautiful by Mira T. Lee last year, and I really liked her perspective on that story with mental illness, and I was thinking, you know, I really would love to learn more about this subject, um, so I wanted to find some nonfiction books, and this, you know, immediately kind of came up on my radar I was lo- as I was looking at 2019 releases, and I was like, I have to get my hands on that, especially since it's an Asian writer, and a very great Asian writer um, at that, and I'm about halfway through it, and it's very good. I'm learning a lot. It's um, it's a lot more academic than I thought it was going to be, so my sister, who's getting her PhD in psychology, I kind of referenced some of the kind of diagnostic codes and stuff that are are listed in the book and she was like oh I know what those are and all these things I was like ooh it's like I'm studying psychology and learning about someone's life <laughs> but they' are a collection of essays and you know some of them are really powerful and it's just really opening my eyes and I'm learning so much about the experience of someone who is suffering with a mental illness so I'm really liking that one so far. And I'm probably going to pass that along to my sister after I'm done because she's been bucking me about it. (laughs) So that's the Collected Schizophrenias. The second book that I'm reading right now is The Mango Bride. This is actually a backlist uh, fiction title. I believe it was published in 2013. It's by uh, Marie B. Sullivan, and that's out by Penguin Books. And it is about two Filipino women. It's kind of a duology. One is kind of in a Uh, higher class position. She lives in a large mansion. And the other storyline takes place from a girl who is a waitress. Uh, Their paths kind of cross through a character who is a cook in the mansion and is, you know, this tie between these two stories. And it takes some very interesting turns. I won't give away too much because I didn't know a lot about it. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is what this is about. But my Filipino friend, uh, Fran, uh, she is uh, at a quiet nook on Instagram. She is from the Philippines and immigrated to the States. And she really recommended it for an awesome immigration story of Filipino women. And I am loving that one so far. So I'm almost finished with that one and I can't wait to um, see how it ends.
0: Well, those sound amazing and I, we've been talking about the collective schizophrenias for a while um, between amongst us on the on the back channels <laughs> uh, because, uh, because uh, she won the Gray Wolf Prize for nonfiction a while ago. And yes. this publishing date has been pushed back because she also has Lyme disease. Oh, right.
1: And then, Kendra, what are you reading?
0: So right now I am reading first up The Kingdom of Copper by S.A. Chocoborthy. This is from Harper Voyager. This is the sequel to The City of Brass. Uh, It's, aside from N.K. Jemisin, May She Live Forever, uh, (laughs) this is one of my most favorite fantasy books of the recent years. So I'm very excited about the sequel. I can't really tell you much about it because it is a sequel, Mm, but it's set in the Middle East and um, the outlying of Northern Africa and, like, you know, Western Asia kind of sphere. And it's based on more Middle Eastern kind of mythology and uh, the Muslim religion, like that, all of those thrown together in one pot. And it's amazing and beautiful. And I love it. Uh, but since I can't tell you much about that, um, one book I'm about to start is Thick and Other Essays by Tressie McMillan-Cottom, and this is out from the New Press. This is her essay collection, and I believe Rebecca Shinsky described it as like a more academic version of Britney Cooper's Eloquent Rage. She did. Yeah, I heard about that. I, this one's been
1: on my list, so I'm super excited to hear what you have to say about it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm so thrilled, and I read the introduction today when it came in the mail, and I'm just blown over by how eloquent and intelligent uh, this woman is, and I'm so thrilled to hear what she has to say. And I believe Trevor Noah interviewed her recently on, I think it was a YouTube exclusive or something, and it was about Mm. um, the treatment of the sexualization of Black girls in our culture versus how we view in like white girls. Like as in like actual girls, like children, yeah. as innocent, but we hypersexualize black girls and how that is actually oh. perceived in culture and how that plays out. And I just have so I just want to sit and, and read this because it sounds absolutely amazing. I'm just gonna quit gushing. I just
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll I need to look at I need to read that book and I need to check out that video because they both sound amazing.
0: Right. So I, I will link the uh, Trevor Noah video down below so everyone can get a taste of what this book is about because it's only about like three minutes long.
1: Oh, okay. Awesome.
0: But uh, I feel like that's a great like, you know, trailer for the book. <laughs> if you like this, go read all of her work. Yes. It's so that recently came out. And so that is Thick and Other Essays by Trussie McMillan-Katum. And like all of the books we mentioned today, uh, they will be linked in our show notes. And that's our show. Many thanks to our patrons whose support makes this podcast possible. To learn more about becoming a patron, please visit our website, readingwomenpodcast.com. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review in your podcast app of choice. We greatly appreciate it, and it does help others find us. And uh, yes, thanks to all of you who have already done that. And be sure to check out our newsletter. Where we have book reviews and upcoming new releases. Um, and of course, a way to subscribe to your newsletter will be linked in our show notes.
1: I love getting the newsletter, just so I'm going to blurb it for people. <laughs> so, I, uh, before being a contributor, I would get the newsletter, and I always loved when it popped up in my email. So it's, I think, a really good resource for people to find new books and what we're reading. And if, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have a giant TBR, but if you ever need a recommendation on what to read next, the newsletter is a really great resource.
0: Well, thank you. I've never had someone blurb the newsletter before. But I appreciate it that's so great to hear
1: oh my gosh well here's your live testimonial (laughs) anyway so um join us next time where we'll be talking about an american marriage and first comes marriage and in the meantime you can find reading women on instagram and twitter at the reading women you can find kendra at katie winchester and me on instagram at sachi reads and thanks for listening to the reading women
3: Storybound is a podcast where acclaimed writers read their essays and stories, which are then scored by unique and award-winning composers with each episode hosted by myself, Jude Brewer. With Storybound, you'll find a whole array of genres and musical styles, some painful yet sweet or hilarious yet tragic, all brought to you by the podglomerate and Lit Hub Radio. Hi, I'm so up Hi, I'm Megan Angelo. This is Tommy Orange. This is Amanda Stern. This is Phil Cly. Hello, this is Stephanie Danler. My name is Chloe Caldwell, and you're listening to Storybound. Storybound. This
2: is Storybound. Storybound.
3: Storybound. This is the Storybound Podcast. Season two will be arriving on July 14th, with new episodes every Tuesday, featuring writers like Stephanie Dandler, Garth Greenwell, Tommy Orange, Chloe Caldwell, and more. Make sure to subscribe today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And tell a friend, because the next best thing to hearing a great story is having someone to share it with.